Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. to the Victoria Souls podcast today with me, Danielle Burnock, that lady on the internet who loves you from DanielleBurnock.com, connecting you to the love that heals. And today I have with me Shannon Petrovich. She is a therapist, she is an author and a YouTube creator, and she's going to be sharing about how to get free from toxic relationships. So thank you for joining me today, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. Well, you've been a therapist for well over 30 years, but you also have some of your own personal experience when you were a late teen. I don't know how late into your teens, but you suffered from an abusive relationship yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about that, whatever you're willing to share? Sure. Um, I think it's important that people know that I come at it from a you know, an academic perspective, but also a personal perspective. And that in my late teens, I had a boyfriend who was abusive and alcoholic and, and I was lost in the fog, just like a lot of people are that I'm speaking to in my book. And so I think it's, it was very difficult. And I think if I hadn't had the out of going off to college, I would have been lost in it much longer than I was. And so thankfully I had applied and gotten into college and was heading off. And so it lasted about a year and a half. So it was terrible and traumatic. And there were still a couple more traumas that happened on my way out the door of it. But I, um, I was able to get free and the people at college um, where I landed were very supportive and made lots of new friends and that sort of thing. So, so the toxic relationships and the fog, the fear, obligation, and guilt that people suffer in, in the midst of that are very real to me. Wow. Did that whole scenario lead you into becoming a therapist? Have anything to do with why you are a therapist? I think it probably does. Um, I think I was very lost as as a late teen and and early in my 20s and trying to figure things out on my own because in those days most people didn't get therapy and really if you didn't get therapy or go to school you had no idea what was going on and you just kind of made it up as you went and so relationships were a mystery to me how they worked positively and why they all went wrong um, was just um, baffling. And I really didn't have anybody to sort of gu- give me guidance and, and show me, help me. I always felt like I was making it up. And then when I started to figure it out in grad school, I just wanted to share it more and more and, and be there for other people so that they didn't feel alone. And most of my early career was really focused on teens and adolescents and, and, and then young adults. And as I've gotten older, it's, it's much more broad, but, um, 
but you know, helping people find themselves and then be their entire whole selves in relationship is really kind of what my mission has become. Wow. Sounded like you got into therapy to kind of help your younger self a little bit Mm -hmm. to help other people. And like you said, years ago, therapy was not as common as it is today, where still many people won't go to therapy, (laughs) but you mentioned that you didn't know relationships in that. Was it pretty common back then for parents to not have raised their kids to know that? Or was that in your household? Or you think that was just pretty common at that time for kids to grow up and not know about relationships? Or what do you think? I think that, you know, what you know of relationships is what you grow up with. And uh, unless there is more conversation around it. But back then, I don't think there was a lot of conversation around it. It was what you saw in your household and and then um, trying to figure it out for yourself. So I don't think there was a lot of conversation around therapy and around what's healthy, what's not healthy, and um, and figuring that out on your own is a pretty lonely place to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that now it's a little bit more common for parents to have conversations with their kids and talk about these things? I think it's much more transparent now and people talk about it. But unfortunately, I think a lot of the information that young people are getting is pretty erroneous because it's off the Internet or it's Uh, just I mean, they're honestly also making it up as they go along. And if they're trying to figure relationships out on TikTok, then they're probably (laughs) much not no better off than I was. Wow. (laughs) Maybe worse off. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's much more transparent now. There's no shame attached to it. But on the other hand, I think that people are still very lost when it comes to that. And, you know, when I started my YouTube channel about five years ago, and I thought that people would be interested in all aspects of mental health. And, and um, I started off doing a lot of different kinds of things. But then what I found was that people were really really wanting information, support experiences and strategies around relationships and Mm. especially toxic relationships and especially narcissistic relationships. Mm. And that that seemed to be the primary driving force behind most people being on YouTube trying to figure stuff out. And so I did more and more um, videos about that. And the more I did, the more people flocked to ask more questions And then, um, you know, about a year ago, I decided I really needed to pull this all together into a book of actual strategies, actual um, information and journal prompts to help people to get well, get free of a toxic relationship, learn to set boundaries for themselves, and to really more move forward into a healthier life. Wow. Yeah. And over the years, you've helped lots of people with all different kinds of toxic relationships and help them to recover themselves? Or what are some of the things that you have done to help them like in therapy without exposing anyone's personal stuff? (laughs) Right. Well, the first, the first step I always feel is, is to figure out what the relationship you have with yourself is all about. And so a lot of times when I first get to know someone, I really ask them how you treat yourself inside your own head. Um, and typically, most of us have a very toxic relationship with ourselves. I just love that. I want to even starts. just pause here <laughs> and just pause there because that's so important. And it yeah. is skipped over. I yeah. 
even when I went into counseling for the trauma to deal with my trauma, that she didn't ask me about my relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And people don't tend to think of having a relationship with themselves, but we do. We do have a relationship with ourself. And that's one of the things I work with and the people I work with coaching, your therapist, you get to go a lot deeper <laughs> and look back more, my forward focused. But how you treat yourself, yes, that's a great place to start. Especially the dealing with Christians sometimes. Do Christians stumble over that relationship with themselves? Very much so. And here's the the hard part, I think, for um, Christians is that we're in many ways taught to deny self and to um, and to ignore self. And and I get where that's coming from, one hundred percent. And yet we're also not supposed to be a doormat and we're also not supposed to be um, beating ourselves mercilessly inside our own heads. And that's a lot of times where this all starts. So if, if you have a really toxic relationship within your own mind, that means that when things go wrong or you're struggling or you make a mistake, you're just running yourself down, you're telling yourself you're stupid, you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you're that, whatever, (laughs) all of those awful, awful messages we tell ourselves. And when we do that to ourselves 40,000 times a day, apparently, I don't know who counted all that, but it it actually, yeah, I don't know who would count that either. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. And so whatever you're saying to yourself, you're doing it a lot. And of course you're depressed and anxious and of course you can't get out of your own way and of course when someone else treats you badly you have a hard time standing up to them because you're already beating yourself so mercilessly inside your own head so in my book even i t- i start there and ask people to journal out what they say to themselves inside their own minds throughout all every day and i know what you're saying like i in in the first therapy um, that I went to in college, I had a terrible therapist. She was completely useless. And that may be part of what drove me to therapy as well, or into being a therapist. And I thought this has to be able to be done differently because this really stinks. Um, but then another therapist really helped me with that. And um, she wanted me to write down all the times throughout the day that I said something mean and nasty to myself. And at first I thought that was stupid because I had so little awareness of how I was talking to myself inside my head. But then I realized, oh my gosh, it's constant and it's so nasty and evil. I would never speak to anyone on the planet that way ever. And, and so learning that and then realizing it and then starting to change it, that's where it all starts. And so in my book, I I have people journal out what that is and then journal out where that came from because that started somewhere. Babies are born that way. It started somewhere. (laughs) That's what I say on my website. I have a little challenge and it's like babies are born loving themselves. You Mm -hmm. know, we have to learn to hate ourselves. We have to, something happened in there from birth to hate self kind of thing. But I want (laughs) to circle back a little bit here for our listeners also to make a point. You had a bad therapist. But you continued and you found a good one. Yeah. I've had a bad one. And then when I went into therapy to write my, my first book, Emerging with Wings, I had a couple bad ones looking <laughs> for one. Mm-hmm. But then I finally found a good one. And my point here is, 
if you who are listening, you need someone and you get a bad one, please don't give up. Right. Please don't give up on yourself. You deserve to find a good therapist. If they're not a good fit, they're not a good therapist, they're terrible at what they do, they put you down. If it's bad in any way, drop them like a bad habit and find someone who would be good for you because you matter. So I wanted to just thank you, Shannon, for bringing that up because I think that happens to way more than we want to acknowledge. And I don't know the number of how many people give up after that. I was tempted to give up at this last time. And I only didn't, by the grace of God, because the lady I'd left a message for happened to call me back in the middle of an emotional crisis I was having. And I had a meltdown with her on the phone. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the only way I I actually found her because I had had three before her that were bad. I mean, one was toxic. It's like, oh, no. So don't give up. Don't give up. If you're looking, don't give up. Don't give up. And, and, and I also feel strongly that if you're not getting anywhere, if you're not getting strategies and information and perspectives that help you every single session, mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, it's not the old days where it, you know, it was sort of smile and nod and, and don't do anything. It's you want strategies, you want information, you want perspectives. And that's why I wrote this book too, is because I feel not only do millions of people in the world not have therapists, but millions of people who do have therapists don't have the strategies and information to move forward, even in their therapy. And so, yes, always look for that person that's really going to help you move forward and don't give up on yourself and, you know, do the expect more, expect that you will get information and strategies. Why else would you be there? You don't want to keep doing the same old thing. That's crazy. Um, so, so we, we start with, you know, focusing on how you treat yourself. And I think sometimes Christians stumble over that because we, as Christians, and especially as women, we're told not to focus on self, not to be self-centered or selfish, but there's a, a difference between being a doormat and being selfish. Well, there's uh, a difference there's... between being self-centered and selfish. That's Two, right. Selfish actually means just to think about yourself, where self-centered means put you like in the middle, <laughs> like, like everything <laughs> right. revolves around it, which is a completely different thing. Right. And I also like to think about the fact that you know, the Holy spirit lives in us and we are that, that this, this body and person is the temple that we are, um, given to take care of. So that's one of the most important things that we can remember that we're not supposed to beat ourselves up emotionally, physically, and also that we are called on to tell the truth in love. And that's the cornerstone of the next piece, which is boundaries. So I like to really focus in on boundaries with people, especially in my book, but in, in all of my work, because so often we, especially as women and especially as Christians, also male Christians, we tend to placate people, please, and peace keep. And that's not the truth. There's nothing truthful in any of that. When we are being a, uh, a doormat or placating, we're not telling the truth about who we are, what we want, what we need, what we feel, what we think, nothing. There's nothing in there. Yeah. And so that is not God's truth. 
And, and I think that's the other stumbling block. I think a lot of times um, people feel encouraged to placate and peacekeep and people please. And none of those are truthful. No, they're not. And they're not biblical either. Actually, Mm-mm. they are a mangling of scriptures. Like you talked about the um, loving yourself and a relationship with yourself and as opposed to the denying self. I mean, I got that so mangled with how I was raised with you had to earn everything. You had to earn everything. So, and then you had to like just deny yourself and you had to like kind of erase yourself. So it's like, I got very confused about that. But then there's all these Bible verses about peace and all that stuff too, which someone can misunderstand to mean I can never speak up. And that is so not true. Right. Right. There was a way to speak up. Yeah. Yes. And I believe that when we tell the truth in love and we hold to that truth, then we are being the whole creation that God created us to be because the, I think the essence of a toxic relationship is one person gets to have all the thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs in the relationship. And the other person kind of doesn't exist. And when you're in that relationship, that's how you feel. You feel erased Mm -hmm. and that your thoughts and feelings don't matter. Your wants and needs are inconsequential. And that other person is your entire focus. And I think that that, um, that is not, that's not biblical either because, you know, God created you. Yeah. And unhealthy (laughs) God created you as an entire being to express and be the person that he created you to be. And, you know, to erase yourself in a relationship is not what he wants from us at all. Right. Yeah. I just, how you put that, I I just really like how you put that of one person in the relationship gets all their wants and needs and everything. And the other one is just not. Yeah, Yeah. that is so unbalanced, so unbalanced. And there are people who think about God like that. (laughs) You know, God gets to get everything all he wants and we don't get anything. That's another one of the misunderstandings of that but no it's supposed to be a relationship a healthy relationship right so do you have a copy of your book with you i do um let me see actually this one is kind of a a wonky copy i think i (laughs) have given away all of them but it's called out of the fog into the clear and um, yours would come out correctly with this all intact. But um, <laughs> but talking about the, you know, I'm a lifelong sailor. And so it really resonated for me when I heard the acronym of FOG. And I really carried it into the book in terms of finding clarity, you know, that you can get so lost in the fear, obligation and guilt of a toxic relationship and get so spun in that and so spun in so many different directions and so completely 100% focused on that person's feelings, thoughts, wants, needs, moods that you cease to exist and you can't even find yourself any longer. And then when you start to pull back and find clarity, that's what's important. So finding that clarity is a lot like looking at a radar screen. If you're lost in the fog and you've got these green lines and there's a rock and this is the channel (laughs) and, and it's really hard, but you have to focus on those facts and you have to steer through the fog into that uh, safe Harbor. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I want people to do. I want them to look at the facts of the relationship and then use the facts to make a honest, rational decision. This isn't healthy. This isn't going anywhere. I've tried boundaries and this person doesn't respect them. You know, it's getting worse. There's violence or whatever. I've got to use those facts to steer clear, even though my heart's not on board, even though I feel like I want to stay, even though I'm still trauma bonded to this person, I'm still emotionally engaged, attached. I'm still think I'm in love even. And that's the hard part is to recognize there are two parts of your brain. There's that emotional part that's attached and trauma bonded. And then there's your wise mind, your rational mind that God gave you to make rational decisions with. And you need to use those facts in your rational mind to make a good decision. So you can love and leave. Can you elaborate a little bit on what trauma bonding is? I imagine our listeners are going trauma bonding. Great. What the heck is that? What's that? (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's powerful. And that's what I experienced too, is that, and here's the tricky part. When you're, when you're early on in one of these relationships and you're doing the people pleasing and the placating, what you're doing is that you're, you're focusing in on their emotions, their needs, their wants. Every time they don't get what they want, they do this little tantrumy thing. That could be, you know, drama, or it could be a little anger, it could be whatever. And what they're doing over time is they're training you to do what they want you to do and to not do what they don't want you to do. And over time, wow. and yeah. just pause there. <laughs> they're training you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a powerful word. I'm sorry for interrupting. I just, that was just like, Not bam, training you oh, continue. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then you're kind of training yourself too. Here's the collaborative part of it. And here's where, if you are toxic inside your own head, you're blaming yourself. If they have a mood or you're blaming yourself, if they have a tantrum, you're telling yourself, I didn't do the right thing, or I did, I did the wrong thing or whatever. So then you're training yourself and then their their work is kind of done, right? Because if you're doing it to yourself, then they're not even having to do it. You're just like, oh, I said the wrong thing. Oh, I didn't do the right thing. Oh, I didn't give them what they wanted right in that moment, right when they wanted it. So over time, you're becoming less and less you and you're becoming more and more all about them. And here's where the incredible self-centeredness comes in, where they, that's what they want. And then you're participating in doing that. And then over time, that trauma that happens, those little traumas, those little angers, those little tantrums, whatever, turn into bigger and bigger ones. And then you're more and more attached to that placating role that you have. And you're less and less able to even take care of yourself on any level. Emotionally, a lot of people coming out of these kinds of relationships don't know what they think or feel or want or need because they've trained themselves so completely to be all about that other person. It's really powerful. Wow. Yeah. I, there was a time in my life, I didn't know what I thought or felt or anything. It's like, yeah. Me too. Me too. So how can people come out of this, getting your book? Will that, that be a good first step for them to, if they find themselves in this situation and they're like, "Uh it sounds like she's talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yes. That's how it's designed to really help people identify and get clear on what are the facts. 
and then to recognize, to me, that was a revelation and no one told me that, but it was something I came to that I could still love a person and leave them. And because I decided that was an unhealthy relationship and I didn't want to be there anymore. And even though my heart was still in it and my heart still said, well, I love this person and I think I want to try again or keep trying or whatever. I recognized it was unhealthy. I recognized I needed to quit. And so that you can take your rational mind and make a decision and drag the heart along until it kind of gets on board. <laughs> and, and that the trauma bond will dissipate over time. It's almost like an addiction. Mm-hmm. And it isn't that it's a pleasant addiction. It's, it's that you're still, you're sucked into. So here's the other part of, of the trauma bonding is that that person showers you with the love bombing and then they devalue you and the, the cycling of that. Yeah. So the cycling sort of creature out in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) So that the cycling, it's not just the love bombing and the devaluing. It's the cycling of those two. I thought you said devouring. Oh, not devaluing. That's why I got all grossed out. (laughs) Devouring. Devouring, devaluing. Okay. (laughs) We'll just stop there. I misunderstood that. Devouring. That's That's why I thought about an animal in the wild. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like that because you cease to exist. But when you, um, when you feel that love, then you get hooked in, right? And then when they undercut you and devalue you and tell you that you're really not all that, or you really need to, you know, do this or that or whatever, then you feel worse. And then just as soon as you're kind of feeling like, oh, maybe I need to get out of this relationship, then they throw a little more love bomb in there so that you then kind of get hooked in again. And so the cycling of that makes you feel worse and worse about yourself and feel more and more dependent on them. And here's the really tricky part is that when you feel like your only um, emotional food is the breadcrumbs that you're living on from them, then you're really hooked. Wow. So I have a question. The love that a person thinks they have or might have, because that's part of my question. If someone thinks they still love someone and they want to leave, could that sensation of love or their feeling of love or their idea of love actually be a byproduct of the trauma bond and not really be love at all? 100%. And so what's helpful is if you call it attachment, I'm still attached. And if you can call it that, then that's a healthier thing. And here's the other piece that I'll throw in. When um, When we have intimacy with someone, it triggers oxytocin in the brain Mm -hmm. and oxytocin is a chemical that is, it's the same chemical as when you breastfeed a baby. Mm -hmm. So when you have intimacy with somebody, you are attaching yourself to that person at the level of your attachment to your baby. Pretty big. Wow. (laughs) Pretty big. And so if you've been intimate with this person, you are, a hundred times more likely to stay in that attachment mode and think you're in love with that person than if you haven't. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's a double thing. Cause I'm familiar of a, another thing that happens that people don't think about when someone becomes intimate with someone else is 
because blood is exchanged. They become mingled in bodies when someone is intimate with someone else, like the book, the body keeps the score. So it's like you, your body has become attached. So now right. you're talking about, they have become attached in this, in their brain also. Right. So it's like just that simple act right. attaches them two ways to a person. So someone who flippantly does this, you know, a one night stand or something, they've attached themselves two ways to a person and probably are clueless about that. Right. Wow. It's a powerful, powerful attachment. And our culture obviously yeah. stinks at this because our culture says, you know, jump in the sack after three dates and you don't know a person at all after three dates. You really yeah, know very I don't think about people understand that they're attaching themselves to that. They right. think they're just doing an act and then they're done and they leave, but they're going to have two attachment things left behind. Mm -hmm. Right. That's really powerful. That's just scientific and has nothing to do with, you know, morality or people's religious beliefs or anything. That's just science. Wow. It is. It's just science. And, and it validates that God's way is a better way. Yeah. <laughs> He's got and reasons why he, he does stuff. That's, you know, and if we have a relationship with him, we can find out those reasons. And then we go, oh, wow, maybe you are smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and he designed stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the way that, that is better for us than, than our ways. And so a lot of people, you know, in one of my videos that I did a few years ago was called how to develop a trustworthy creepo meter. And the one thing that will derail it. Creepo meter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I just like that. it sounds. <laughs> So if you're really healthy inside of yourself, then when somebody else is being a creep to you, you're just like, dude, or girl, you're crazy. Yeah. You know, like this is, this is not gender specific. Men and women can be just as awful on these narcissistic scales. So when you are healthy inside of yourself, you are not going to be familiar with or resonating with that negativity. Whereas if you're still talking to yourself in that negative way, obviously you do kind of resonate with that. It's not comfortable, but it's just a resonance that's familiar. And so we're always at risk when we're in that toxic relationship inside ourselves. But that creeps to the meter, beginning. Back right. to the beginning. Back to the beginning of what our relationship is with ourselves. And I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about how in some churches and religious things they 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 heap on it sounds like they're one of those toxic boyfriends you know to make you feel so terrible bad and you need to do this at church so god will accept you you know and god's a big bully in the sky or whatever and it's like they're doing that same sort of toxic relationship and and that's that's not the gospel yeah oh, that's exactly goodness. right it's sad to it's sad to take that from church in addition to all the other places we take it from but when you have that good solid creepo meter and then you meter. <laughs> and then that. you <laughs> and then you jump in the sack with somebody you're taking that offline it is done it is offline and you are then you're taking your rational centers offline because you've attached your your um your wow. amygdala your reactive mind, your emotional mind has 
you've attached it to that person. And so when somebody says, I don't like the way that person does A, B, and C, you're like, oh no, you just don't get him like I do, or you just don't understand her like I do. So as soon as you do that attachment thing and you hook your emotional self, you're off and running. And it's going to be so much harder to disengage and detach than it would have been just to take your time and just to get to know that person on multiple levels for a long period of time before you do that intimacy dance. (laughs) Wow. That is really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Creepo meter. (laughs) I can get over the, that's just so that's a great way to remember it. And then you take it offline. Wow. That is so powerful. Wow. So what do you think is the most important thing for people to take away today? Maybe the creepometer, I don't know. What What do you think is the biggest thing for them to take away today? You know, that that taking taking the time to step back and, and take care of yourself internally, emotionally, recognize fully what has happened in this relationship, and then make a rational decision, maybe bounce that off other people. You know, in my book, I do journal prompts so that Mm -hmm. you can really outline where you're at and what has happened and how to get past all of this. And then the last several chapters are rebuilding. Um, The R in clear stands for rebuilding. So it's rebuilding your sense of self, rebuilding Mm -hmm. your connections to others, because a lot of times toxic people carve you off from your people. And so, so that they have sort of that lion's share of your attention, they separate you from your family, friends, fellowship, so that you don't have that support system any longer. So you need to rebuild that when you get free. And also then rebuilding your whole life. You know, sometimes people have lost their dreams, their aspirations, their, you know, what God created them to be. So what have you lost that you want to rebuild? Um, all of those things are so precious and priceless and we have to go retrieve all of that and put it back in place. Wow. Now fog stands for fear, obligation, and guilt. Okay. And clear stands for clarity, learning, education, awareness, and rebuilding. That's powerful. I'm going to have to get myself a copy of that book <laughs> myself. <laughs> so you. how can people connect with you? And maybe they, maybe they want therapy from you. I don't know. They, they need to live near you for that, right? Because you have to, all right. the laws in the states and stuff. You're in Arizona, correct? Right. So right, if you're in the right. state of Arizona and looking for a therapist, <laughs> maybe Shannon's your girl. Maybe not. Maybe she'll give you a great reference for someone else. So maybe do you know people in other states or is that not a thing? Um, you know, I, I have, uh, a, an affiliate with better help and, mm-hmm. you know, not every single therapist on better help is wonderful, but there are yeah. a lot of wonderful therapists on better help. So if you get on www.betterhelp.com slash, uh, therapist talks, mm-hmm. you will get a promo code to get 10% off or something like that. So, um, and they also have, um, what do you call it? um, uh, financing available Oh, uh, scholarships was the Ah. word I was looking for scholarships. So 
I promote them because of that too, because a lot of people don't have insurance and don't have the money for that. So they're actually pretty reasonable in terms of helping people get help that need it and can't afford it. So I like that about them. Um, And then uh, to reach me, nofoggydays.com or therapisttalks.com will get you to the same place. And that's kind of my landing page where my book is, uh, link is there. Also on YouTube, I have a lot of videos on YouTube that might help you. They're all free. And so jumping into those might be helpful. I've kind of recently launched into TikTok. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's kind of people told me I needed to be too. there. I'm, like, I'm not uh, all in either, but I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> there are some decent spots there. It's like yeah. anything else. You can use it for good. Um, and that's about it. So nofoggydays.com or therapisttalks.com and therapist talks is my handle on YouTube. Okay. And I will have links in the show notes. Do you happen to know, um, how they could get the one video on the creepo meter if they were interested in seeing that one? Do, does it, is it called creepo meter or what's it called? It's called how to develop a trustworthy creepo meter. And if you Google that, you will, it will take you to my awesome uh, my video <laughs> i'm gonna have to go and watch that one too <laughs> and i think on the uh on tiktok i i posted it on tiktok too and i think i called it how to develop a trustworthy narcometer because people are into <laughs> the narcissist thing <laughs> yeah well thank you for being with us today shannon this was just so enlightening and helpful i just i, I loved every minute of it thank you i did too thanks so much danielle you have a great day Thank you. And thank you for being with us today. Until next time, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victoria Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.